Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Not only do they deliver the natural home and personal care products you already love, but did you know they also have their own line of sustainable products? We'll tell you about their newest one later in the episode, along with the free gift you can get when you visit grove.co slash YHL. Again, that's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're looking at how we kept the task of decorating an entire beach house all at once from completely overwhelming us. Plus, John buys a sort of smart lock, and I add something really ugly to our house. So we just got off a plane. Well, like two hours ago, but as one does, as soon as you get back from the airport, you set up your podcast equipment and start recording a podcast episode. We have things to talk about. Well, we just got back from Chicago, which you guys may know we were there for a little over 24 hours. Well, we were in Chicago for less than 24 hours. We I were, think 19 hours in yeah, Chicago. We were gone a little over 24 hours for a party. It was a really fun party, you guys. Let me give you a tip. If you're going to go to a party, try to go to parties or crash them that are thrown by people like magazines because <laughs> they're beautiful and there are lots of good boomerang opportunities and tablescapes. I'm just kidding about crashing them, kind of. Just like walk in there and act like you're part of the group. I'll give you some tips to blend in. Maybe like a colorful shoe. This is ill-advised advice. (laughs) We, as you may have heard, were very grateful to have been awarded Domino Magazine's Best Renovation Blog of 2018. It was like a voter thing that you guys may have seen us mention on Instagram or in our email newsletter, where they had a bunch of nominees in several categories, like Best Interior Design Blog, Best DIY Blog, Best Small Space Blog, like all these different categories. And we found ourselves in the best renovation blog category and were literally like, I'm not joking when I say we were very surprised to be nominated and we're even more surprised to win it. Yep. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) I know that like may sound like fake humble about it. Like, oh my gosh, gee, us? No, we weren't even nominated last year at all. So we were like, oh, we're nominated this year. Well, we won't win because we weren't even nominated last year. Right. And so we wanted to say thank you guys for voting. Thank you, Domino, for including us in the nominations. I want to avoid being sappy and deep here, but I may have to tiptoe into that territory. I think people don't understand what it means to us, but it means a whole lot. Like back when Domino started the very first magazine, I bought it off the newsstands and it changed my trajectory, I believe. Like reading that magazine is what made me feel like I, as a young person with hardly any money, could be scrappy and I could DIY stuff because it was kind of coming out in a time where all the other magazines were like, hire an upholster add a welt, get some piping, like all these words and phrases and like expensive techniques that felt very much out of my reach. It felt like decorating was something exclusive to people who were like well-to-do middle-aged people with a big bank account, basically. And I know that might sound crazy if you're listening now, but you have to think it's before Pinterest, it's before Instagram, it's before blogs were really a huge thing. And it changed my worldview. Like it made me interested in design because it felt inclusive of me and approachable to me. And I truly believe that when people say like, oh, but that's what your website does for me, I take it as such a huge compliment because I feel like that magazine really shifted where we were going. We were in New York. We felt like we couldn't really make our apartments our own because we don't have these big budgets and we don't know how. And then this magazine came out and we were like inspired to move somewhere and get a fixer-upper because we suddenly felt like we could do it as 24 four-year-olds, 25-year-olds? Yeah, 24, I think. 
We were like newly engaged. We bought this little fixer upper and I had every single Domino magazine that ever came out. I poured over them and I saved them. And to this day, you guys, in 2018, I have every single original Domino magazine. And people who know me know I'm a minimalist. And they're like, why do you save those magazines? Like of all the things to save. But I really think they represent this huge thing to me, which was like the place for inspiration that changed the course of our career and our life. And like, I very much feel indebted to Domino for making me feel like I could do it. And the reason I save them and have them next to my desk is I say like when I'm typing and I look over and I see them, it's so cheesy, but they're history to me. Yeah, I thought I was going to be the cheesy one. Oh, I just can't get over it. And then you went on that tangent. I I could cry, you guys. I I have like the wavering voice. Well, maybe I'll I'll put you there because it means an additional thing to me, not just being who it was from. But, you know, I think anyone in whatever they do at some point struggles with self-doubt. And we certainly have had that over the years. We obviously had a big period of it a few years ago where we took that big step back from blogging for a while and had come to the conclusion that it wasn't for us anymore, like that our lives were leading in a different direction. And obviously, like we've tiptoed back into it with the podcast and, you know, posting some of the projects on the blog and on Instagram. And I guess in that period since we've been doing this more recently, like I feel like, you know, Maybe we're kind of on borrowed time. Like we're old news. There's all these young whippersnappers that have started their blogs more recently. They understand Instagram and Pinterest and all the newer social media better than we do. So I think having this moment of recognition from both Domino and and the people like you guys who took the time to vote for us is like a really important thing to hold on to whenever that self-doubt creeps back in. Because, you know, one of the reasons why we started our blog or at least kept our blog going in the early months You know, we had been blogging for like maybe two or three months. You guys have probably heard this story before. We had just been documenting our kitchen renovation, fully planned to stop the blog after the kitchen was done. But we entered this little contest. We're fortunate enough to win. And that was like the thing that told us maybe we should keep going. And so I feel like this thing now in 2018 is still another thing I can hold on to. Like, we should keep going. Yeah. And you guys, going back to why you should crash these types of parties. (laughs) Yeah, let's get out of the deep stuff. I'm just going to tell you what it's like. I'm going to paint you a picture because when I watch Housewives, I'm telling you, the reason I watch it is to see like what people eat, what people wear, what the decor is. Tell me about the centerpieces. Like I need a picture painted. I'm going to paint a picture because it's really fun to end up at these events where these people throwing these parties are so into the visual. Yeah. They're super into like the tablescape. Like they had painted books, hand painted them, not spray painted, but hand painted. You could see brush strokes so that the books match the color scheme. And they stacked two books on top of each other at each table. So picture our table was pink books, of course, because that's like the perfect table. And then it had flowers on top of that. And the fun decor thing they also did was they made these little trophies by finding old thrifted trophies or buying them new. It sort like, of looked like they were new. Yeah, like sporting trophies. Like you would get for like playing baseball or something. Actually, there were a lot of baseball things because the event was right across from Wrigley Field in Chicago. But you know, yeah, real sporting trophies that they had painted to be solid colors, like a matte yellow or matte pink or a matte navy blue trophy. And it matched the books on the tables, guys. There just were so many little moments where you could tell they were like, ooh, someone's going to Instagram that. And I just, I feel creatively like it's so much fun to lay eyes on that stuff. Like as we approached the restaurant where they were throwing the party, there was a big trash can outside full of flowers. And I had to explain that to John 
John. John didn't know that was a thing, but like virally, sort of like Banksy. Do you guys know Banksy, the artist who like was putting art out on the streets of New York to decorate ugly things like billboards and scaffolding? People started putting giant arrangements of flowers into ugly trash cans in places like New York and Chicago. And it suddenly turns this industrial gross thing that holds garbage into a beautiful sculptural like art piece. But it wasn't like a plastic like McDonald's trash can. It was like a barrel that was painted bright yellow. Right. It was like a metal drum barrel. And it said design blog awards on it. So you knew Domino put it there. Yeah. It was not like a rogue sort of they threw flowers in a random trash can on the street. Right. But to me, it felt very much like as you approach the building that had that out front, you knew like, oh, it's going to be one of those. Like we're going to do a boomerang out from behind this. Yes, I did. There's going to be these beautiful backdrops. And I feel like it did not let us down. Well, but the thing that was most fun about it for me, at least, was just getting to be around the people. Like we got to meet a lot of the folks from Domino. We hung out with our friends Kim and Scott Vargo from Yellow Brick Home. They won the Modern Maverick Award. Jen Woodhouse from the blog House of Wood. She was the best DIY blog. Uh, we got to meet Kate from Wit and Delight. She was there as sort of the co-host of the event. And we were really excited to meet Shay McGee from Studio McGee because she won the best interior design blog, but they couldn't make it because they were on like a family trip. So that was a bummer. Yeah, but it was really fun. It was fun to see our friends. It was inspiring. And most of all, it was a huge honor. So thank you to everybody who voted for us. Even if you didn't vote for us, but you go to our website or support us in some other way, like you follow us on Instagram, it just like continues to amaze us where this goes. Because I know we're not going to be 100 and still get to do this but literally every year that we get to do this and like be in this world even in some sort of partial aspect like on the side once in a while something cool like this happens you have no idea how much it motivates us to keep going and if you want to see pictures i didn't want to end on this very technical note but you can go to the show notes at younghouselove.com podcast i'll put some photos of the things that sherry was talking about like the trash can with flowers yeah we got some good pictures also the cheese platter was epic like wedges of brie as far as the eye could see That sound means we have some updates, and the first one takes us back to episode 113, where you guys may remember I had a little rant about smart locks and how I was intrigued by the idea of getting a smart lock for our house or our beach houses, but I was deterred by some of the drawbacks to them, them being glitchy, the bad reviews, and also the big black like panel on the back or inside of the lock. And I'm happy to report that a lot of you guys agreed with me in my rant. I was... I guess secretly hoping people would say like, no, here's the perfect one to solve all your problems. But most of you just confirmed my fears with them. Those of you who have smart locks mostly said that they were not all they were cracked up to be. They were glitchy. They weren't really worth the money. And some people even took theirs out. There was especially some bad feedback about the Kivo smart lock, which is made by Quickset. Yes, everybody hated the Kivo that I heard from. I think I can't remember every single person, but there I was got, a huge majority of people who hate the Kivo. Yeah, I got one tweet where someone said they mostly like it. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was not enough for me to get over this hump and say I should get a smart lock. Now, I should point out, though. Right. Guys, listen, because remember how John had a rant about smart locks? He's about to enter his second rant about the misunderstanding of the term smart lock. Oh, I wasn't going to call this a rant. Okay. But I think there was some confusion between the definition of a smart lock 
and a keypad lock. You know, a keypad lock is one of those ones where you can just like punch in a code on the front and it unlocks. That I guess is kind of smart or an upgrade from a basic lock, but I was referring to smart as ones that are somewhat like Wi-Fi enabled, like you could unlock them with the Bluetooth on your phone, or you could remotely unlock them or change the code like through an app on your phone. That's what I was talking about for a smart lock, something that is connected to your phone in some way. Yeah, so a lot of the comments I heard from people raving about the smart locks, quote unquote, they loved, they were really just keypad locks. They shared the links with me. They were like, mine doesn't have a big black box on the back. The reason it didn't have a big black box on the back is it didn't have the Wi-Fi enabled thing John was talking about. They were just keypad locks, which are just like combination boxes, basically. Yes. And the reason I bring up this confusion is because also people saw in the pictures of the duplex mudrooms, they said, oh, it looks like John caved and got a smart lock. No, I didn't really cave. We <laughs> ordered one of those keypad locks for each side of the duplex. They are a little bit bigger than a regular lock. They do have kind of like a mechanism on the back. And that's what people saw in the picture and confused for a smart lock. But since we have darker doors and we have oil rub bronze hardware on everything, it blends just fine with it. Like we are okay with how that looks. And it provides the function that we wanted for the rental. People can enter with a keypad without having to have a key. We can change the codes for different renters. We just can't change them remotely. Yes, because one other distinction we heard from people that was really helpful as being like future renters of this building, people were saying, I actually prefer a keypad lock to a smart lock because to use a smart lock, I had to download an app on my phone. And it was frustrating to arrive at a rental and have kind of homework to do on my phone. And what if my phone battery died? Or what if only the person with the phone could unlock the door and there was someone else who split off from the group. So everyone seemed to rave about the keypad more because the whole group can have the code, everyone can know the number, they can unlock it. So that overarching type of lock seemed to win in the poll, you know, the little informal John poll. And we'll put a link to the exact ones we got in the show notes because we've been using them about a month now with the contractor. He gets in, we get in, we've never had a glitch. Again, it's not Wi-Fi enabled, so there's less to be glitchy, but we've been really happy with this lock set. It is by quick set, I think. Right? Yes, it's a quick set lock. And we actually ordered a set of them for the beach house as well. So when we are there, we don't have to use our keys to get it. We can just use the keypad. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to update the side door and the back door at the pink house. Now that we've tested it out and loved it, this exact same lock is going in both of those places because it works so well at the duplex. Yes. The next update is from episode 111. And that's where we were talking about some of the finished choices we had chosen for the duplex. And specifically, we had chosen some non-white cabinets for both of the kitchens. And Sherry and I had a little, I don't know, not disagreement, but we weren't seeing eye to eye on how to describe the color of one of the cabinets. John called something navy that is so far from navy, it made me want to get his eyes checked. Well, and apparently a lot of our listeners thought the same thing because they were like, John, you are so wrong. That's not navy. I was put in my place on my color identification. <laughs> now do you think it's navy? No, I don't think it's navy, but I do have a slight correction to what I said. What I think I meant was that they are the new Navy. That's not what you meant. That's <laughs> what I meant in retrospect. Because I found an article from Apartment Therapy that declared peacock blue the new Navy. And I would say those doors are kind of peacock blue. Yes, they're like a teal with some gray in it. I would go as far as to say a muted peacock blue. Yes. So I'll put a link to this article in the show notes because they have great examples of how this sort of greenier blue, this peacock blue, is coming into trend even in kitchens. There's a picture of a kitchen with peacock blue bottom cabinets and white upper cabinets, which is what we're going to do on that one side of the duplex. So John's really excited because this article called it the new Navy, and now he feels like he's less far off in describing it as Navy. I am less wrong. Thanks to this <laughs> article, I can now cite in retrospect. And the very last update goes way back to episode 103, 
where we talked about our house being a little bit smelly. Yeah, our Richmond house having this issue where when it rains, it got really musty and we knew it was crawl space related. And there have been a bunch of people just asking me, hey, did that work? So if you remember, what we did is we hired a company to come in and look at it and tell us what to do. And they cleaned our ducts downstairs and they sealed up a little bit more of our crawl space. It had already been encapsulated because we do have a radon system, but they plugged some more gaps. And then the main thing they did is they put a whole house dehumidifier in under the house. And it just runs on autopilot. We don't have to like empty a tray or change a filter. It just does its thing under there. And it has been months of it doing its thing. And we've had a lot of rain, which is usually when things get very, very musty. And I am happy to report that the problem seems to have been completely solved. We don't have that smell anymore. We do have other smells like when John makes eggs or asparagus. There is a smell, but it's not crawl space related. So we are thrilled. People locally have been asking us who we used. We used a company called Woodfin. I don't know if you have someone like that, but they do ductwork and they do dehumidifiers under the house. So they were perfect because they kind of could address all the things that could be contributing and take care of it. And in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, I'll put links to all these old episodes that we mentioned just in case you missed the initial discussion and want to go back and revisit them. Yeah, there's more details always in the original chat. This is just a recap. Exactly. But anyways, moving on. Sherry and I had an interesting discussion the other day when we were looking back on the process of decorating the beach house because it was about a year ago, so this time last year, that we first moved furniture in. So it's been about a year of like having that house mostly decorated. Yeah, I would say last November when we moved stuff in, it didn't just land and it was done. I'd say maybe the six months after that were where we were moving stuff around a lot, assembling beds, setting up headboards, hanging art. And then the six months after that were more refining things like adding built-ins, tiling the backsplash, just doing like little builds and projects, making that office. So those things were less like the act of furnishing and figuring out rooms and more of the finishing touches and like sort of polishing things. But I think we would agree that it's kind of done-ish. I mean, a house is never done, but it's done enough that we're actually working on a post with like before and afters, kind of like final afters for now to show you guys. So that'll be coming up, I don't know, in a week or two. The befores are crazy, you guys. Get ready. It might be the most exciting post we've ever shared because it's so funny to see the befores next to the afters. It looks like a different house. But anyways, the thing Sherry and I were talking about was that decorating the beach house was really a different process than we're used to taking for decorating any of the houses that we live in. Because those houses, for the most part, we kind of take things like one room at a time. Like we have years of decorating those houses. And so we can really take our time with the decisions. And I wouldn't say we literally go room to room because, you know, we're usually working on multiple things at once. But a lot of times the process is like, let's focus on getting the kid's bedroom up to date. And then let's move on to like refreshing the bathroom. Right. And I think a lot of bloggers do that too, just because it's also easy to like organize your content. I mean, that's the whole reason there's the one room challenge. It's like, it's fun to follow a single room from start to finish. Yeah, and I think we thought that was like the way to do it. So when we were confronted with the challenge of having to decorate and furnish an entire house in a series of months, I mean, we knew it would take as long as it would take, but obviously we wanted to get this house up and running and we wanted to have a place to sleep and have guests. And it felt very much like, okay, you have like 12 rooms to do and the clock is ticking, like figure it out. Yeah, and I think our big concerns were that it was gonna be overwhelming and expensive. I don't even think they were a question. They were a statement to me. This will be overwhelming and this will be expensive. And I didn't even question that or think maybe it won't be. But the weird thing is that in hindsight, 
it felt so doable and it came together so easily. The whole idea for this segment was born from me saying to John, why do you think it was so easy to do the beach house? Like that should have been so much scarier and it should have come out so much worse. Like it should look awful. (laughs) Why doesn't it look awful? And so it's kind of interesting to look at why and how that happened. Yeah, I think if we look back at our typical process, like if you rewound to like 2012 era Young House Love blog posts, where we were doing one room at a time, we would have posts dedicated to like one single decision. Like I remember a post where we were weighing lampshade options in our daughter's room. And there were like 12 options where we were trying to figure out what was perfect and weighing the pros and cons. And yes, there is some benefit to having the time to make those careful decisions. But at the same time, it does become overwrought at some point. And when you're always taking the time to seek out the best option and hunting down a million stores and weighing all these pros and cons, sometimes at the end, you still feel like, well, there may still be a better option than one I found. And I think in the process for the beach house, since it was so fast and we were making so many decisions at once, we just forced ourselves to let go of that idea of overthinking everything. Yes. And I think we also simplified a lot of overarching choices throughout the entire house. And that might sound like it's really boring to say, like, I'm just going to do the same white Ikea curtains in every single room. But what it really did is when you think about a to-do list for each room, and each room has question marks next to curtains, bedding, rug, art, you know, all these things to check off. When I've already checked one off everywhere, I've said I'm doing these white Ikea curtains everywhere. They're breezy. They feel beachy. I love them in my own house, why wouldn't I do that there? It's allowing me to check a whole bunch of boxes at once, right? Like all the rooms I've suddenly checked the curtain box. I figured out that thing and I don't have to spin my wheels looking at a thousand different pairs of curtains. I figured it out. Yeah, and the same thing went for like the hardware, like the doorknobs were the same throughout the house. They were all oil rub bronze. The fans were the same throughout every bedroom. We even like repeated the kitchen hardware up in the bathroom because we figured why just make a different decision to make a different decision. Let's repeat something we know we like. Exactly. And I think it sounds boring, right? It's almost like my wardrobe where you're like, yeah, but it's all kind of the same. But I think what we were doing by accident is it wasn't all exactly the same, but there were some constants. And what the constants did is they made it feel cohesive. So remember when I was scratching my head and saying, why didn't this turn out awful? Like, why doesn't it look horrendous? I think it was those constants throughout each room. Like you knew the rooms were all going to flow into each other and feel easy and beachy because there were some of these built-in decisions that once we made, they helped us inform other decisions. And they made it easier, like knowing that the oil rub bronze curtain rods were going to be in every room and all the hardware was going to be oil rub bronze really made it easy for me to say, okay, I have enough oil rub bronze everywhere. I'm not going to get frames that are also oil rub bronze. So I'll do like a brass frame. And I'm telling you, when you decide to do things throughout a house instead of from room to room, like I didn't decide one room's going to be the brass accent room. I went throughout the house and I added some brass. There's a brass mobile in the middle bedroom. There are even brass screws on the built-in bunk beds that we made. They're just fun little touches that I wasn't overthinking because I knew, yeah, there's brass in a bunch of places. It's going to look good. Yeah. And I think the byproduct of simplifying the decision making is also the house ended up being a bit more cohesive than sometimes our past houses have been because we were making the decisions all at once. We knew that they would all look good together. I think sometimes what happens in the past when we were doing things one room at a time is that like you focus intently on one room, you finish that room, And then you move on to the next one. And in that time, inevitably, your taste or your style might shift slightly or you might want to just try something new or different. 
And so if that happens as you go from room to room, by the time you get to like the fifth or sixth or whatever final room in the chain, that last room may look quite different from your first room. It's almost like the game of telephone, you know, how the message like gets changed just a little bit as it goes from person to person. I think sometimes that happened in our old houses. Right. I think there was a lot of learning. So we'd realize like, oh, by the fifth room, we like white curtains. But the first room I had tried to make lime green curtains happen. That happened twice. That happened twice. I made the mistake two times. So now I know I like white curtains. And so some of it, yes, is born from this knowledge and this learning we've had in the past. And I think it takes a certain amount of confidence to say like, I'm going to like this everywhere. I'm just going to do it everywhere. But I also think it just simplifies your life. Like your builder will say to you, what color hinges should I put on all the doors? And you are probably not going to say, well, let's do some chrome over here and let's do some black over here. Like you just choose. We do oil rub bronze everywhere and we know our curtain rods are going to be oil rub bronze. And then we like stop thinking about that decision. Like it's done and we move on to other choices. Well, but you keep talking about hardware and like little details, but even big like decorating details like rugs, we really simplified versus how we used to do it. Again, I have this vivid memory of a rug fashion show in our last kitchen (laughs) where we brought home like who knows how many rugs and laid them out and looked at them. And we knew we just didn't have the time or at least want to take the time to do that here. So this time for the beach house, We knew we liked these sort of beachy, neutral rugs. So you ordered just like three or four of them. We got them to the beach house and even sort of moved some of them around. Like one we thought would go well in one bedroom ended up in a different bedroom. Yes. What I was going to say is I think the other thing that happens when everything is in flux at the same time, instead of finishing a room saying, freeze, don't touch anything in there. That room is frozen. And then moving on to a next room, you have this wonderful ability to say nothing is frozen. I'm going to take this rug. I'm going to move it over here. I'm going to take this frame. I'm going to move it in here. I'm going to switch this art out. I'm going to switch this headboard. We moved things a lot within a series of days. When we landed there, we thought a bed should go in here. Then we'd change it. We'd change side tables. Nothing was reordering or returning things. I think we returned one rug the entire process. Everything else was just moving it from room to room and figuring out how things fit together. And I think what made that possible is that so many of the items we got worked together. The brass frame could go in any room because I had some touches of brass in most rooms. The rugs that were neutral were so neutral they went with any bedding, whether it was white with a slight checker on a blanket or whether it was a light blue. Like they all kind of mixed and matched together. Well, we talked about the bedding in the beach house several episodes ago. We went to Target and bought like three sets of queen bedding. And when we got back, we realized they looked better mixed together. So we have shams from one set with the duvet from a different set. So all together across the three rooms, they look cohesive because they're literally three sets mixed together. Right, and that's something you can't necessarily do if you do things one room at a time because you might like exactly how the bedroom looks and you don't want to change the shams because you spent so long picking out the shams for that room and that bed. We didn't really pick things out for that room or that bed. We had something in mind, but when they were all in our cart, like when all that bedding was in our cart at Target. It, it was, was actually like two carts because it didn't fit <laughs> one cart. I think it was three carts, but you could see how it would all flex. So all those things could mix and match in any number of permutations. Again, it feels like I'm talking about my wardrobe again, because it literally is like when you pick staples you know you love and you can move them from room to room, it makes it a thousand times more flexible than when you decide on one really tight color palette. Like I didn't say this is the purple room and this is the orange room, because that's a lot less flexible. That's not very beachy either. Yeah. Well, and we also mentioned the other concern was that decorating a whole house at once was going to be really expensive. 
And I won't lie and say that it was no money because we were buying lots of items to fill a whole house. But again, I think because we were so hyper concerned about the budget going crazy, that forced us to make a lot of affordable decisions along the way. Like our dining table is a Craigslist table. Our sofa is just the hand-me-down from our old sofa here. The coffee table in the living room is a free-cycled coffee table we got from a neighbor and then we DIY the top for. I think because we weren't overthinking every decision and so hyper-focused on making every decision special, it made it easier to choose just an affordable thing we knew we liked. It may not have been the fanciest thing or whatever, but it worked and it checked a decision off our list. Exactly. And a few other examples, guys, if you're saying like, oh my gosh, I could never do this all at once. How on earth did you really make the budget work? An example would be we built in a dresser. It was a $99 dresser from Ikea. We used another dresser in another bedroom. It was a dresser that I found on Facebook Marketplace. We did a metal headboard that was like $100 for a queen size metal headboard because it's so affordable and it looks great. So I think you go into this thinking, But if I give myself more time, I can spend more money, right? Like I can save up more budget and then I'll like the rooms more. And I'm here to tell you the wonderful news is that I don't like these rooms less. In many cases, I like these rooms more than the rooms in my house that I spent longer and I overthought more. So it doesn't just mean because my headboard is $120 that later I wish I could upgrade it. I love that metal headboard at the beach house. I'm not gonna change it. And I think so many other choices that we landed on They came into the house and we like them. They're not a concession. It felt like we might be making a series of concessions and rooms would be notably less cool because they're more affordable. And it doesn't feel like that happened. I mean, even our kitchen, the kitchen itself is crazy affordable because we used Ikea cabinetry and Ikea counters and cheap 15 cent subway tile for the backsplash, but it looks beautiful to us. So long story short, we were surprised at, I guess, how well the process went considering our concerns going in that it was going to be so overwhelming and so expensive. I don't think we're saying that, well, now in the future, we're always going to do a whole house at once because there still are some pros to like taking your time and thinking through things and doing things room by room. So this doesn't negate all of our previous advice if anyone ever asks us like, how do I not get overwhelmed by my house? Because I think we usually say like, take it one thing at a time. Like, don't rush yourself. Yes. I think that's still our preferred way to do it, but it makes us a lot less nervous about the duplex knowing that we survived decorating the beach house just fine. Totally. And now that we kind of know this method, we can apply it. Like now I feel really good going into the duplex and saying like, we already know what colors the doors are going to be. We already know what the curtain rods and the hinges are going to be. We're going to use the same Ikea curtains throughout the duplex too. Like there are a lot of decisions that mentally now I know I'm checking off. And it's nice to know that because it frees me up to really spend some time thinking about like what bedding or rugs do I want. It's not a thousand things to figure out. It's just a few select things in each room that are going to make those rooms special. And if you guys go to the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, we'll put some pictures of the things we've talked about. Although the best thing may be to go to the Shop Our Beach House page, because right now that's sort of the fullest rundown of after pictures of the beach house until we get this before and after post finished. Right. And it also has sources. So you won't have to say like, where'd you get that headboard? Because it's all linked. So under our header, it says Shop Our Beach House. Just click that. You can see all the pictures and you can see all the links. And next up for We're Digging, Sherry's Walktober is going out with a bang, guys. But first, we're going to take a quick break. 
I want to talk to you guys about paper towel guilt. You know that thing where you know paper towels aren't super great for the environment and you've seen people switch to things like reusable cloths, but like you're not quite ready to do that yourself. So instead you keep feeling guilty, you cry a big puddle of tears, and then you have to use extra paper towels to soak them up. I mean, that's a little bit extreme. I'm nothing but extreme, Sherry. Well, that's why this week's sponsor, Grove Collaborative, has a new product called Seedling that's going to help you out with all that guilt, John. Yeah, it's a line of sustainably produced paper products. So paper towels, toilet paper, tissues that are completely tree free. This is so cool, you guys. So instead, they're made of things like bamboo and sugarcane, which unlike trees, they grow super fast and they're easier and less destructive to replenish our supply of them. Yeah. And if you're thinking, oh yeah, but they're probably like brown and gross. No, they look, feel and work just like normal paper towels. How do we know that? Well, because as soon as I heard about it, I bought a pack of them because again, I suffer from this paper towel guilt I mentioned. So if you guys want to check out the seedling line or just get your hands on some of the natural home or personal care products you already love, Grove Collaborative will deliver it right to your door. And they're giving our listeners a special gift when they sign up at grove.co slash YHL. That's grove.co, not .com, by the way. New customers will get a trio of Mrs. Myers cleaners and a set of Grove walnut scrubber sponges. Yeah, and if you're an existing Grove customer, they still want to hook you up with those sponges for free. Go to that same link. Again, it's grove.co slash YHL. Guys, I don't even recognize myself. What I've done is something I never in my adult life thought I would do. So the thing I did is I actually went and bought a treadmill. I don't know why it makes me laugh, but I just was never the person who thought I'd buy a treadmill like or any equipment to work out in my house or in my life. Like, I don't exactly like the way they look in a house. I don't think of myself as the kind of person who'd like get up off the couch and go like turn on my machine and do some working out with my headphones in. And I think one of the reasons walking fits so nicely into my life is because there's not a lot of fuss and muss. I don't go to the gym, change my clothes, do it, take a shower, have a little bag I carry around. Like, I need no equipment. I just walk outside and it's wonderful. And I think I realized... If I get a treadmill, it's not muss and fuss. I still don't need a bag. I still don't need to change my clothes. I'm not putting a sweatband on and running on this thing. It's just an alternative if it's too cold or it's too rainy. And guys, what we did is we put it in the bonus room, which I'm such a fan of because it faces a mirror. So there's a mirror right in front of it. We tucked it into a corner that you hardly see. And Sherry loves looking at herself while she exercises. No, but listen to what the mirror does. I don't look at myself at all. It reflects the TV and I watch Housewives. So it's not... Not a thing I do every day. I still much prefer walking outside and seeing the neighbors and just like the experience of breathing the fresh air and getting out of the house. But if it's raining, which it already has been, or if it's too cold, which it already has been, I love that I can just go up there, turn on the TV, stare at the mirror and watch the reflection of my beloved housewives and just get my steps in for the day. Well, I think we talked about in that episode a while ago about the furniture-free living, how we felt like the bonus room was a room that maybe we could think about differently to promote some more activity. And so there was a corner that wasn't really getting used all that often. And yes, it's not the prettiest thing, but we figured it doesn't have to be pretty. It can be functional. And so you got this treadmill off of Amazon. It's just a Nordic track that's like $5.99. It was well rated. Yes, I really thought deeply, guys, because you know I'm cheap. So I almost got like suckered into buying these like $2.99 or $3.99 ones. But what I realized is that they don't have features that I use, like incline. I like walking up and down hills. That mimics my neighborhood. That's kind of the walk I do outside. So I like this because it is only $5.99, which I worried like, 
all treadmills were like $3,000. I didn't know. I've never shopped for a I treadmill. Didn't even know. Right? I'm like, is this a Peloton? I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what to expect. But when I saw $399, $299, I almost went for it. But then I read the reviews and it was basically like a treadmill that does nothing. So mine does inclines. It has different speeds. It has like the auto stop function. It's big enough that John could use it because some of the cheaper ones said like, a man cannot run on this. He will fall off of this. So I wanted something that felt the most diverse and useful. Well, and I'll say I have not run on it yet because I prefer running outside, but it is nice to know that's there in case I want to sneak in a run and it is raining or whatever sometime in the wintertime. But I wanted to add back to your point about the price. We did cheap out on one thing that I regret. Yeah, we did. On Amazon, have you guys ever noticed there's like you can tack on a price for like expert installation or something like that? This didn't have expert installation, but it did have an extra fee where you could have it carried up to the room that it's going in. And we thought that seems silly. Like, why am I going to pay? I don't know. Was it like 75 bucks? I feel like it might have been 100. Yeah, it seemed like way too much to ask someone to carry this just up one flight of stairs. Boy, do I regret that. Boy, was that the workout of my life. Yes. (laughs) John and I muscled that thing up the stairs ourselves. And it was approximately the weight of 30 dead bodies. Yeah. Wow, that's an interesting measure. (laughs) Not that I would know. Please don't come after me. <laughs> Nothing Sherry's is buried. She's only moved like 25 dead bodies, guys. She has no idea what 30 would feel like. <laughs> but it yeah, just about killed us getting up the stairs. So I do think that might be worth it if you are considering getting it. Or have like four strong people around to help instead of just like the two of us trying to fight that thing up the stairs. Yeah, it was like the end of the day. We were both tired, but we like wanted to get it out of the foyer. So that's my one tip. Yes. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast if you're interested in checking it out. Maybe I'll do like a video on Insta stories too of it because I really like it. It has big cup holders. Like I looked at the things I care about. I need a place to put my phone. If I have a jacket on and then I get hot, I can shove the jacket in this huge cup holder. I know that sounds weird, but it's like a jacket holder. I really like it. And this week, I know Sherry has been talking a lot about paring down her closet over the last month, but I bought some new clothes that I am digging. They are pants. Pants. Just pants. John's digging pants. I'm digging pants. No, I actually dug some shorts earlier in the year. You may remember. (laughs) Don't you remember when John dug shorts, you guys? We all remember where we were when we heard that, right? (laughs) That moment went down in history. Well, now mark your calendars. I'm digging pants. (laughs) And they are the same brand of pants. They're from Target. They're that Goodfellow line they have there. And it's because I realized I basically only had jeans in my winter wardrobe. The dress pants I have are like, I don't know, maybe a decade old. And they aren't looking current enough, I would say. You know, a slimmer leg is more in style these days. Not like a big floppy like boot cut. Yeah, they were a little floppy now that you say that. Yeah, they were. there was a lot of breeze in my old pants. <laughs> so I decided because we had this event in Chicago this week that I should get some like dressier pants that fit a little bit better. And these were just like my shorts. They had like interesting colors. They were stretchy. They felt good. They like had a more modern cut on them. I don't remember the specific name of them, but I will put the link in the show notes to them because I got them in both kind of like a um, olive green, which is a new color for me, and also a gray pant. So they're not like boring khaki either. I got some like hipper colors because I'm a hip guy now. He's a hip guy. And hit me with the price. I don't know the price. Look it up real quick because someone's going to wonder. Oh, okay. Oh, look, good fellow pants. That's the first thing. They are $29.99. Total deal. And you said they were kind of dressy, but they're not like suit dressy, right? They're no. like 
They're hip dressy. Hip dressy. Like you'd wear them to a cocktail event in Chicago or like to work, but not like in a place where you need a suit. Yeah, like if you were at a cool startup or something. If you wore a khaki, you should take the khaki off and burn it and wear these instead. Would you say that's true? No, because a khaki is a nice staple. John still likes a khaki. I've never liked a khaki. Khakis make me look like I'm Amy Poehler from (laughs) Parks and Rec. Like I just can't. A khaki doesn't work on me, guys. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And thanks also to everyone who's been doing Walktober or Aquatober with us this month. We are almost to the finish line, guys. So if you've been partaking, we'd love to know how it's been. Leave us a message or a comment on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook because we'd love to do an update in a future episode. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like a lone improvement on Instagram who listens while she squeezes in a three to four mile walk around the soccer fields while her daughter's at practice. I love that. And be sure to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for this week's show notes. We'll include photos from our domino event in Chicago, a link to that key padlock we got for the duplex, and some afters of the beach house. Plus a picture of my super photogenic treadmill. And how about a picture of you looking in the mirror on your super photogenic treadmill? I mean, that makes me want to have like a Kelly Kapowski workout outfit. Later. Bye. Seems to have done the trick. And in the show... (laughs) I'm doing pepperoni. Oh, you're done.